Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, I'm excited for today's episode. I, I have not been running that much lately because I'm sort of getting into that hustle period of, you know, one to two weeks out, uh, if not, you know, I guess the last few weeks have been less running. But, you know, that hustle period, that specific period leading into my big bike race. Uh, but usually we do run a lot. I'm actually really excited to have this question happening in July because normally we have the how do I get started running uh, sort of that mid-September, mid-October, right when everyone's in the heart of cyclocross season and deciding that they're going to start Well, running. and often the question comes about two weeks after someone tries to start, which is good, admirable, but we do want to think long-term. And I, I will say that le- recently I've been getting more like, you know, I want to be able to be running, you know, even next fall so like 2023 it's 2022 right now in the summer you know people are starting to think longer term so maybe this is good we're starting to think you know gradual consistent long term for the long haul oh man we're finally rubbing off i don't know if it's us but there you go well that's awesome okay so i mean the the question is how to start running Mm -hmm. and i'm just so excited about this well maybe we start with why you know you might you know, and let's assume we're, you know, adult listeners here, you know, you're doing other stuff. A lot of our listeners are, are either probably runners or bikers identify as one of those buckets. Not everyone who listens is, is in that, but probably one or the other is common. Um, so I guess obviously we're, we're, we're maybe talking mostly to the, the cyclists or the, you know, cross training folks. If you're already runners, you probably don't need to learn how to start running. But it may also be and is relevant for the runners who maybe struggle with consistency and, you know, keep getting injured or, or just got injured coincidentally, right? You know, it's, it's, I always say it's one of the riskiest sports. There's, you know, you can pick the statistic, but it's either 75 or 90% of runners are injured in the next whatever you pick the time period. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, totally fair. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I didn't actually know we had this question, but I was over at Seattle, Canada this weekend checking it out. And I was chatting with uh, one of the Scott reps and he was telling me all about how he had just done his first race, the Summit 700 trail race the day before, uh, which was conveniently happening at the same location. Uh, And he was asking me how to actually upgrade from the 10K, like how to go further and further. So a lot of what we're about to talk about is really what I I was telling him, which is pretty funny. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's, you know, why would we, well, you know, start running, you know, you just sort of, you, you start running, right? It's well, straightforward. I guess that's actually maybe why I wanted to bring up the Scott rep. Cause we were talking, I mean, obviously Scott is a bike brand. So naturally you would assume that the person who works for it would be a cyclist. Although side note, they do have trail shoes apparently. News to me. Okay, uh, this is another sponsored, yeah, not sponsored, not sponsored, but great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, seriously. Shout out to, shout out to Scott, apparently. Uh, anyway, um, so he, you know, obviously was a cyclist, but with work being busy and a bit more travel for events like this, funny enough, uh, the more you're in the cycling industry, the less you get to ride your bike tends to be the, the way it goes. So he actually picked up running because it's it's more time efficient. And I know you have a lot of clients who want to pick up running simply because now with work, they're back to traveling, their schedules are a little more hectic. Mm-hmm. And I would say... 30 30 minute run equivalent to what like a 75 minute bike as far as efficiency goes and totally depends on your goals i'm gonna pause and just like put that in if you're training for a race and you're getting ready for nationals in 10 days then obviously a 30 minute run not as good as doing a specific bike ride sure but 
if you're on a work trip, a lot of the time, you can get a lot more done in a 30-minute run than you can getting ready for a 30-minute ride. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know really to go where to go from that. But the reason I like it, you know, again, it gets this consummate athlete idea. We're able to use different sports, different movements to, you know, thrive in different environments. So as you say, it could be a vacation. It could be, oh, I'm a little injured. You know, I have a saddle sore. So I just am going to run today. And, and, you know, it's not even a day off now, which would be a logical thing to do if you're having any sort of disruption, you know, otherwise to recover. But we could also keep training moving. So this was, you know, we're working maybe more centrally, we could say heart and lungs, uh, you know, those benefits are there, especially for most of us who aren't, you know, really pushing volume, you know, we're not Tour de France cyclists. I think it makes a lot of sense, um, you know, we're shifting the load around different muscles. Uh, and, and, you know, again, if it's raining, if we're traveling, we're on vacation, where you have some sort of injury we can work around. I, it just makes a lot of sense to me. It's just, it's, it's not free, right? It, it, you can't just start most people can't just start you someone could i'm sure uh but to to get started and and continue maybe anyone can start but to continue you know and be running still next year and being beneficial to make this beneficial uh it does take a little bit of of patience and uh you know gradually consistent yeah so is there how would you get started if someone hasn't maybe maybe they've run in the past but say they're they're not running right now they want to get started i usually start with just asking you know how much time do you spend on your feet so you know that could be walking that could be landscaping if you're a landscaper you know they tend to do or have a little bit more tolerance right like they're they're, it's really the, the heart of the issue is that even though you're fit centrally from whatever you do otherwise let's assume you're a cyclist the the frame of the car you know the engine is really powerful you you're used to doing 90 minute rides three hour rides 24 hour rides whatever you're used to but the frame is not used to getting pounded into the ground you know what is it a thousand steps per kilometer approximately it's probably less when you're running but you know plus or minus let's use easy math so that's a thousand jumps up and down right would you go into the gym and do a thousand and that's just one kilometer right no one you know most cyclists will go out and they have to do a five or a 10k Right. Yeah. There's no distance that exists. And I mean, below a 10k a that probably only takes them an hour, and they want to do 90 minutes. So I, it's not rare for me to see someone's first run. A cyclist, it was running. Cyclist, you know, their bikes are broken. 16k run, 10 miles. How often are they back to running the next day? <laughs> they don't. Day? They don't. You know, there's a mysterious calf thing that comes up the next week, just out of the blue. They weren't running. They ran last week, but not this week. But now they have a calf thing. So weird. This this is what happens, right? Or just you're just so sore <laughs> for like a week. Uh, so you run into this, you know, it's it's this big dose. And then maybe you can run again next week. You know, it's been seven days and you run again. So you're not really working on that frequency piece that we know is, you know, beginners focus on frequency, frequency and consistency. Whenever I build a beginner plan, it's block focus frequent and consistent so 10 minutes counts 20 minute counts but let's get back to time on feet so do you walk yes no if you're a walker you walk your dog for 10 kilometers a day you're gonna do better probably and and you're a little further ahead you can start adding you know little short runs into those walks and that's where we would go right you could add 
more challenging hikes. So more uphills to challenge your feet. And then I would probably start, you know, this is your run walks. If you load it up like couch to 5k app on your phone, I, I think some of those are great too. They are, they're going to take you through a, a run walk progression. You could type in run walk progression into Google. I'm sure it's going to be fairly reasonable. But I it, love a run walk. We've talked about this on the show before and run walk is honestly one of my favorite And call things. it intervals if you want. I, I just tell people, you know, run for 30 seconds naturally. Don't put, a, you know, don't wear a heart rate monitor. Just run for 30 seconds and then walk for four minutes, you know, and then run naturally for 30 seconds, right? Coach David calls these strides. You know, we could call them intervals, whatever you want to call them. And then the ne- if that feels good and you're not too sore, you know, two days later, say the next day, and then, you, you know, we'll leave a day and then you come back in two days so that was monday we ran tuesday maybe we walked or we went for a bike ride or something like that wednesday we're going to run again assuming you're not having any pain for sure then you could do say 30 seconds and a three minute walk and and maybe we're out for half an hour and we just set it you know we're not really caring about distance or speed we're just accumulating more 30 second runs and again you just gradually keep decreasing and then you can at some point you can choose to start running for a minute and then you know take a minute off right now we have one minute on one minute off one minute on one minute off and again we just call this you know pretend like it's intervals but i wouldn't do it at like a suffer pace i would do it at a natural pace uh and then again you just keep progressing and if you find that you're sore after doing say you get to that one minute on one minute off one minute on one minute off then just stay there for a few more of those days and then you know you could progress from there i really like that emphatic like when it's comfortable, stay here for a few days. Don't immediately yeah. uh, cat use, up, if you will. Use that level. And I think a lot of times we always want this like linear progression where it's, you know, you follow this, you know, you lift 100 pounds today, you lift 110 tomorrow, you lift 120. And linear gains are true until they're not. You know, anyone who's biked for a while or ran for a while, like your pace doesn't keep increasing, your watts don't keep increasing. Like I've had the same 20 minute time trial now for probably five or six years and it's it's trending in a a poor direction i'll tell you gonna say the bad news (laughs) is um but other aspects improve right but it's not as noticeable i guess is the thing right and that's the nice thing about trying new sports is you can see this improvement over time so we have run walks are going to be the base but i think even before that walking and it's you know not as exciting it's not going to feel as much like a workout but i do like those walks so what we also do for frequency is we have run walks for sure great and and i would start really slow so five or six times 30 seconds in a 30 minute walk that's it's it's six by 30 seconds it's not a lot you know what else brisk walking okay but then we're going to walk briskly and most people i'm going to challenge you to put on your heart rate strap for your walk and if you walk briskly not a weird you don't need to go into like race walking it's not weird to race walk but you don't need to go to race walking most people are going to actually find that they're in certainly zone one i mean zone one you're just gonna be in it but zone two this like gold you know magical zone two fat burning zone most people are going to find they're up in the 120s you know if they're walking fairly briskly maybe you're getting challenging terrain a little bit we could start calling this a hike maybe um without anything else you know they're going to find that this is actually pretty good training for a lot of people. My favorite rebrand of all time is rebranding walking as hiking. Right. Because it instantly seems way more badass. Well, and I said, if that's not interesting, then you can call it rocking. Oh, So now yeah. we're getting like this, uh, you know, and maybe you're wearing a backpack. I, I, I hesitate to tell people to add load to the walking too soon because a lot of the people I talk to and who listening to the podcast 
are probably more uh, where the frame's a little weak. So if we start adding too much load to the shoulders and to the back, then we end up with like a neck pain, a back pain. You know, they fall over because they're not used to walking. It, it sounds funny, but it's not funny when it happens. So just be careful. Uh, but again, add in five pounds to your, you know, put your hydration pack on so you have water in your phone and everything else. And, you know, put five, five pounds is nothing, right? A little dumbbell or, you know, some sand, something like that. And so there's lots of ways and it's just accumulating time on feet so that at the end of the week you've accumulated all this time and we're thinking lots of low intensity this is the same as every other sport in the world lots of low intensity so this is, means walking for us and then a little bit of our our strides our run walks whatever you want to call it um i would say on the weekend like nothing wrong with again a, a hike a hilly hike where we're moving those ankles through like steep hills up and down we're working on placing our feet trying you know we're going to find we're maybe rolling ankles uh, shoulders are moving through range of motion. So something on the weekend where you're getting out just as you would for bike riding, you know, get out into the mountains, get out into nature and, and go. And again, gradually per build that. But I think if you're just hiking, most people can go and handle a hike on the weekend for two, three, four hours. Um, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if you are thinking towards, oh, I'd love to do ultra or trail racing or whatever, speed hike, like Uphills are hiking. Yeah. Period. Most of your race, not most of your race, but uh, uh, there's a per <laughs> there's a percentage of your races that are walking. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, if anyone just came off the street, they could probably walk with you for a period of time at least. I will tell you, I was getting beat by children on the <laughs> final uh, final climb of that. Uh, that yeah, 80K I guess last that's it. Weekend. Like you were doing your finish line sprint, and DW and I were like frolicking beside you, taking photos. Um, no, small children on like the final <laughs> set of stairs, which, by the way, is over two hundred stairs from the base of a waterfall really all steep. the way up. Yeah, yeah. But small children are just pitter pattering past me, and I'm just hunched over, just pressing on my quads, and just you begging see that. them to work. I mean, even at the Tour de France or something, right? Like, there's people ride beside the peloton for short periods of time, or run up the road with them. Yeah, yeah, it's the not steep climbs. You know, if you only look at this one moment of the whole thing. Anyhow, the other, you know, so we have run walks, we have lots of walking. You know, standing desk is probably good. Most adults getting into their 40s and beyond probably want to start thinking. You know, during their core strength yoga maybe some calf raises um, the, the one thing I really like and this is newer that I've started recommending but jump rope skipping is going to be really important um, almost before we even get into much running like I think you can start all this other stuff we're talking about but if you're you're sort of like I want to be cautious or I do have a history uh, maybe you're there that we could get in this pelvic health discussion the second I mentioned skipping there's you know probably two out of you know or I don't even know what the number is but there's a percentage of people that are going to be a little not into skipping uh, so it might mean going to see a, a pelvic health physio uh, if there's discomfort around uh, skipping or jumping but the reason the skipping can be nice is again we're going to jump up and down about a thousand times in a kilometer rough math so what the skipping does is it helps us become a bit more bouncy and a little less muscular if you've ever seen someone try and skip who doesn't know how to skip very well right it's very muscular and very effortful whereas someone who can skip you know it's it's only you know it, it looks like it's almost from the toes it's they could sit there and talk to you they could rhyme out 200 while they're talking in a warm-up to a, a gym workout or something that's the person you want to be because you're bouncy and you understand how to get organized you know again the pelvic health the the core is all organized and it's not that big you know kick the heels behind you and make a weird sound as you're holding your breath and then land really loudly it's just like i could be skipping right now and you'd probably he's, he's not i'm not skipping but you could imagine right so these the skipping is a good one um 
and and again i sort of set the goal of like two to five minutes of just comfortable and, and if you get beyond and it gets boring you can do one leg skips you know or you can go left right left right and then eventually you can go to double unders too but i, I don't think the double under skips are, are as important i mean that's getting into coordination and everything else but i do think if you're if you're looking for a screen I would say that that probably isolates a few things. You know, if you're very sore after skipping for two minutes, you know, probably running for 20, 30, 60, 90 minutes is not a good idea. So this is something that like in the, the driveway, pick up a skipping rope, away you go. Uh, probably extension cords would, you know, if you don't have a skipping rope and you want to just even try this, give it a try. I mean, I also think you can totally just try skipping without a rope. Literally just hold like two pencils in your hand or like a hold a Sharpie in each hand or something and I, just just try it. I th well, because I think there's going to be people who are going to hear this and then they're going to go to Amazon. They're going to order the jump rope and they're going to wait till the jump rope gets here. But in the couple of days you're waiting for the shipping, just practice well, skipping thinking. without the rope. Yeah, well... I mean, you should be able to find one, but yeah, don't, don't let that be a barrier to jumping up and down 200 times and seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's going to make it easier when you do get the rope, just sure. as far as coordination goes. Okay. Not did I all have, of us, I'm not all of us through. were like double Dutch childhood champions here. No, and, and I don't think you need to become professional at skipping. Um, okay. So we have that. And then, so when, once you're running, you get, you get your run walks, I, I think the variable terrain. So this is, you know, not just running down your sidewalk or your paved, you know, road on, you know, you always run into that, like the road sort of sloped out and people say you get it band tendonitis or something, mix it up. You know, you probably have park space. I'll see clients, you know, in, in different cities and I'm like, well, you ran right past a park and you just stayed on the sidewalk on the side of the street. Like go for some adventures, you know, even in the city, these are the biggest cities in the world, right? Like there's beautiful park space often with paths, but get off the path, run across the grass. Although, you know what? We were talking to a friend who's not even super, super active. And he was saying he had recently seen when they were on a trip somewhere, he saw a woman running sort of off road and jumping over benches and barriers and stuff. And he's like, she couldn't have been a real runner because otherwise she she must she couldn't have possibly heard of Strava. Like, why would you run like that? And I think both of us were just like, for I, training purposes. I love hopping onto stuff. That seems great. Yeah, I <laughs> but mean, I think it's very hard. Parkour, for... I guess. But yeah, no, I, I think that's that variability. Like, I try and step onto benches. I it may have been me that they saw. Yeah, you're super <laughs> annoying for it, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's each their own with that. I don't know how much like hurdling and. I'm not suggesting that everyone has to parkour, but even just getting on the grass, like it's it's gonna throw off your Strava pace. Sure, by don't a couple seconds. please don't use Strava to start running. Um. So then again, but stepping, maybe we're walking up a hill, walking up stairs, going downstairs carefully. But again, in urban, this is in an urban environment. If you have trails, like please just go, you know, run and walk on the trails. The trails almost will motivate this run walk we're talking about. But I think that's the message is use your park space, find some wood to, you know, it's almost a, ser a search for surfaces where your pavement, cement, gravel, grass, dirt, mud, wood. Uh, what did I miss? Ice, you know, go screaming through the you know, muddy shoes and through the arena or something. But that'll it'll come in the winter and the fall. Right. Um, which is there's danger there, but there's also variability. And that's what we're looking for in that stride versus just running straight down a paved road. It's just I think you're going to find that the the soreness, the injury is, is less if you vary that surface. Right. OK, so then last thing is now you're actually starting to to run and your big thing is always 5k to five miles for for most people this I'm, is yeah i think most people don't get you know i think that it's just convenient right like that's sort of a 30 to 45 minute run for a lot of people 
uh, in that range somewhere. You know, some people, you know, if they get five miles, it might take them an hour. Uh, again, this depends on their environment they're in probably too. Like we have some snowy days here that <laughs> I don't even know if I get 5k sometimes because it's like, you know, such deep snow or whatever. Uh, and that's okay. And that's why we have a range. Some people don't like ranges like that. Again, that's 5k to 8k for the kilometer people. And what are we three to five miles if we're mileage? Uh, but it's again, some days are really hot. Some days you're really tired. Some days it's really uphill. Some days it's, you know, tailwind the whole way or whatever. So, so we use that range and I like that. I think that fits into most people's lives. It lets you, you could choose to not include your walking warm up and cool down. And, and I always say you can walk as long as you want, but the running piece is that's sort of, I, I do think that if you get into that range and it's comfortable, you can do that in your street clothes, basically on demand and be okay the next day. That I think is a really powerful goal. And this is a, I don't even know, how long do you think? Five months, you know, six months maybe? I think so. Uh, of just gradually progressing to that. That's going to be still a big run, you know, that you have to be careful with to start. But if you can get there, then I don't think it's hard to jump into a, you know, or, or we'll say plan a, a 10K race or a, a trail run on the weekend with friends that's longer. That's That's been my experience at least. When I'm comfortable there, it's oh, it's easier to jump into some other stuff, or, or you know, even better, take six weeks to train to a, you know, you guys do a twenty k or some of these bigger runs we've done. That's still been my base, but I then take you know maybe six weeks and include a ten k in the middle of the week and a longer trail run on the weekend plus a couple five k to five miles. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really where we get, and we still keep in some of those those athletic runs or strides in the five k to five miles. So there might be some just five k five miles, and then there also might be some some strides, you know, six by thirty second strides or hill strides or whatever. Perfect. Uh, last thing we got asked about with the specific question is just uh, anything on proper form, technique, or shoes. Uh, so maybe just t- like I'll just say, as far as shoes go, um, I'm pretty run what you brung for the. F- like as you're getting started like if you have a pair of shoes that are reasonable running shoes like i'm not saying wear your keds or your converse or something like that you want a shoe that's slightly purpose-built for running but it doesn't have to be the 500 hundred dollar carbon plated sure Hoka, no, yeah, whatever no, no. like we're talking the 60 dollar one that you can get at sport check or wherever uh, just a running shoe that fits comfortably, uh, comfortable socks. I've never once really cared about, like I have spent so much money on socks and I come back to these stupid like uh, avias from Target or something. I'm pretty big. I've been fortunate to get a lot of Bontrager socks in my life and I don't know, I've tried as well like other ones and every big thing we've ever done, I wear, they're usually red. Uh, people make fun of my red Bontrager socks, but it's pretty easy because I just put on my red Bontrager socks and I don't know, I've never had you know beyond what you would expect for blisters and stuff when you run a long ways but yeah so i think when you're when you're just getting started you shouldn't need fancy run shoes to be comfortable like i'd say if you're struggling with your shoes assuming they fit reasonably well Mm -hmm. uh, if you're struggling with like how your feet feel you need to dial it back and slow it down and 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 there's this concept of like self-limiting right and this is where sometimes the barefoot stuff people are, are a little wild you know there's the de- determined people out there as, as, which i'll group myself in right where you push past the logical point where it's like oh no my feet are starting to hurt i'll just walk from now on you know if, if you're the type of person that keeps pushing it's not self-limiting but things like nose breathing and and barefoot running or whatever are going they're self-limiting because you have to be careful 
uh, you know, you can only push so hard. There's a limiter there. So I, I like your thought that similar to the jump rope, if, if you want to start today, could you go for a walk, you know, take an hour that you were going to ride your bike or whatever your normal sport is, go walk for an hour and be like, there's day one. I I'm starting to run. I'm starting to ambulate on two feet. If we want to group it all together, uh, you know, and there you go. Day one's done frequency consistency. Uh, and, and your shoes probably, you know, you've been walking in your shoes thus far, <laughs> so you're ready. Now, if you find, okay, I did get a blister from these shoes, then it might be try another set that you have or or get into shopping. But I think at, initially, I like your point that probably run what you brought, uh, run what you brung, as, you know, there we go, uh, because it's going to keep you from trying to run a marathon today. Yeah. And otherwise, I don't really have any specific shoe recommendations, to be honest, because everybody's going to be different and what you're going to like is going to be totally different. I do like the idea of barefoot shoes for for regular day, uh, you know, day to day life. I think this is something you have to ease into. But, you know, I love Katie Bowman and all her her great writing around this concept. And just the, the again, we can get into pelvic health with barefoot shoes. We can get into calf health, foot health. If we always have a raised heel, and then we go try and run uphill as hard as we can. Those those calves are going to have a problem because they've been, you know, not working and not stretched at all because of the big heels in our our shoes. And, and you might say, I don't wear high heels anymore. Who does that? But every shoe pretty much is going to have a raised heel. Even men's, you know, dress shoes or men's sneakers. There's a significant drop, they call that. Yeah, most running shoes will have between like four and eight millimeter drop. Which is not... I don't even know if that's the extreme. Like, I think that's actually getting into, like, they might even call that minimal now. I don't uh, know. I think that's, like, the average <laughs> okay. is, is maybe that five to eight, we'll say. Okay. But a lot have, yeah, 10 and up. So when you run, though, this is really challenging your body. So I, I we're 100% on board. Like, we use a lot of the Nike shoes and, and not the Nike Freeze even, but, like, the Nike trail shoes. The What are they called? The Wild Horses and the... Terra Tigers. So these are our favorites. Uh, but when we're walking around in normal life, you know, we do a lot of just plain out barefoot or socked foot, uh, in the house, certainly, which is new to some people. Some people say, of, of course, but other people, you know, are wearing indoor shoes or heeled shoes all the time. Like their feet are in, you know, K- Katie Bowman would call this a cast. And then we're wondering why our feet are complaining when we go and, you know, run all over the place and are asking our feet to adapt to, especially a trail surface. It makes a lot of sense, right? You've, like think about your arm if you've ever broken your arm you take it out of a cast and then you try and you know go to a bench press or you know it's probably not really there to help you so we want to think about all those muscles in the feet and the bones in the feet and trying to get them working more but then supporting them during really demanding things um i don't know what you know maybe a weight belt when you were when people do like a maximal thing so when we go on race trail or we run you know your big workout your big run for the week you'd use a running shoe which might have a you know drop of different types the rest of the day and and perhaps even your walks are going to be more minimal shoes and and that could be there's a range of those minimal from the like ultra you know kooky ultra flat ultra nothing up to you know something what's the one shoe i really like the that i wear all the time wear out all the time <laughs> the one that's like trail held glove. together by Not trail glove merrill uh, minimus minimus i think it's new m- balance okay <laughs> there you go uh so anyhow there's a range of shoes so we're thinking how demanding is this going to be on our feet our ankles our calves and we go from there the other piece as you get into running i think is the general rule from what i understand is if you if you're someone who has like foot ankle pain you're probably going to need more lift. And that's me. As much as my brain wants to be kooky and use minimal whatever shoes, I do a lot better 
with a bigger shoe because my calves from cycling, you know, cycling is very, it rewards a very stiff ankle. Uh, and then running though requires range of motion. Uh, so then, but the, on the opposite is true. If you're more of like a knee hip person, you could ease into gradually and carefully into a little bit more minimal shoe. And they say that that starts shifting some of the load more to those calves and, you know, ankles, I guess, uh, and maybe away from the hips and the, the knees maybe. So that's a very rough rule of thumb, but that might be some guidance on shoes as you get into it. Or if you just know your history, like I've always failed at running because I get knee pain. This might be again, carefully coming into these these more minimal shoes perfect and then last thing just form slash technique now i'll preface it by there's a ton of studies that just say if you think about it it's worse yeah. yeah the form that's comfortable for you is the perfect form for you and i generally go by that sure. i would say uh that said uh, i think one mistake and i make this all the time is running with stuff in one hand is not ideal for your form because it is going to throw stuff off. You kind of want both hands to be balanced. Yeah. Uh, so I've actually shifted wearing my pack most of the time so that my phone is in my pack. Now, what do you think you do in your week towards form? Like, is there any focus on it, would you say? Not, well, I guess strides maybe is, is where you're going with that. I mean, I would say doing my core and my yoga probably helps with that too. Uh, just to keep things a bit more open but the strides i was actually going to say it's sort of it's almost like power posing i feel like when you do strides because it's the most awesome way to notice a really abrupt change to your form and be like oh this is what like real running like looks like mm -hmm. and even as i said that i literally just like pulled my chest like up and back and actually heard my sternum crack so i'm like oh no my right. form is terrible right now and i think you know strides are not new i always attribute them to your coach david because you know i just was like okay these look good. This sounds good. And he's, he talks about like a kid running at recess, like across the schoolyard. Yeah. No, even when I was coaching cross country a few years ago at high school, strides were a huge mm -hmm. part of everything Most people we did. Understand them. So just to, for someone who doesn't understand what they are, if you're just running very casually, you know, it's likely your shoulders are a bit dropped. Maybe your chest is hunched a little bit forward. You're leaning a little bit forward. You're just kind of, just kind of moseying. And then a stride is just a quick pickup. So 20 to 30 seconds where you're going really fast. So you'll notice that as you get up to speed, you've shifted and now you're standing up a little bit taller. You're looking straighter ahead instead of maybe down at the ground. Uh, your chest is nice and proud. Your arms are starting to work more, mm. uh, like really just efficiently pumping. Your, your stride has probably elongated a little. And it's not to say that you should hold that stride position for your entire run, but it is a good quick check-in of how how far did you have to move to get into that stride position and, and the interest i think the key differentiation too is that it's it's not a sprint which i i didn't necessarily understand when i started including these so you should be able to resume either you know when we're starting it might just be resuming your walking uh but if you're you know once you're up and running and you're feeling decent you have decent endurance you're resuming your your running pace your endurance pace from the stride in most cases not always but often um, right. But, it shouldn't really put a hitch in your step. Maybe you're breathing a teeny bit heavier mm -hmm. for another 30 seconds as you cool kind of down from it, but it shouldn't feel like you need to stop and pant and catch your breath. And I do think when we're talking about stride, even without thinking internally, you know, you're looking further ahead because you're moving faster all of a sudden, but you're also starting to try and get the neuromuscular benefit, the coordination benefit of, of running faster. And what you should start finding is that it actually starts pulling up the casual pace 
because your quote unquote form is increasing your, or your, your, your body's ability to, to move quickly and the familiarity with the, the, the range of motion and the, just the, the muscle contraction, that's what you're hoping out of strides. I think, right. I think it's probably hoping a little bit, but that's the idea is that you run mostly slow periodically. You run, you know, I like that the kids at recess are like an athlete you know, across the soccer field. That's actually what I was just going to say as far as the athlete identity. When I do strides, it almost makes me feel like a superhero for that 20 to 30 seconds. And I'm not going that fast, Mm -hmm. but it just makes you feel so freaking professional and just boss. Now, I know I find this, I think coming from cycling um, and being pretty slow twitch uh, as far as, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not great with sprints and that sort of stuff. So I do find that I the turnover to go faster is hard for me. Uh, so I do think that a lot of times, and I think this is in line with David, is you actually, if you have never done stride, you actually start on a bit of an uphill, a gradual uphill, not super steep, uh, just because it's easier to get working hard. And I think also just the, if we talked about form, I think it's easier to get st- stood up and sort of just the the you know, position, maybe you're leaning a bit further ahead too. So that might be the other piece is if you can line yourself up on at least occasionally on a, a slight uphill and, and probably the soreness is a little less when you're running uphill than it is, you know, on flat ground or certainly downhill. Um, so strides, I think would be probably the answer to form. And then the only other piece is that skipping piece is when we're talking about form, it's being bouncy, right? The best runners are using that stored elastic energy. You know, a lot of that's coming from the calf, the foot, and the best runners are, are pretty bouncy, right? They're, they're able to do that. Whereas the more muscular you are, the slower it's going to be. It's not bouncy. It's land, you know, bounce, or not bounce, but, you know, it's jump, right? If you're right. thinking like jump, jump versus a bounce. Yeah. And I think it's also having the self-awareness, especially as you get started, to notice when your form is starting to suffer while you're running. Because mm. uh, I think as we get tired, your form, you get sloppy. It's when you start noticing, especially if you're on a trail, I can always tell I'm getting tired because I start kicking stuff more because sure, I'm not, not getting lifting. the same pickup. Uh, and that's usually a sign that, okay, I either need to eat something or I'm just getting tired. Uh, for me, sure. it tends to be a fueling thing at this point in time. But when I first started running, it was definitely a sign that, okay, this is, we're getting towards my my limit here and I should probably, you know. And the ultra, I think back. that's, you know, you started today talking about the, the gentleman who wanted to extend and go longer and go longer, which is the, you know, I think the natural thing that people want to do to make things harder. Uh, but that that is the idea, right, is that you start getting your, your stride they call it like the ultra shuffle or something yep uh, and i think that it's the nature of the thing but you you start losing the running and start becoming more of like a, a fast walker essentially you know a shuffle if you watch and again the best people in the world probably do that but you do want to be careful that that's not how all your training is and that's where the strides i think are important is is to preserve that and, and there's actually some great stuff around the injury prevalence if, if you only are shuffling like that again there's going to be an overuse whereas the strides are starting to really activate a range of motion or not activate range of motion but access right where that's you're really getting that back leg behind you you're really lifting as you say the foot the knee up uh, but then those hips are actually you know getting activated a bit more too so the reason we include that no one likes to do their intensity but you do it again for the injury. If you've had injuries and you haven't been doing any sort of intensity, well, there you go. Variability, right? Uh, and then also, I think with this idea that even if you're going to do a hundred miler, you want to do intensity to try and keep pulling up what that all day pace is. For sure. 
Cool. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up how to get started running. If anyone, yeah. if anyone has any more specific questions or uh, if you want sort of the 2.0, like, okay, now I've mastered the 5K to 5 miles, what next? Uh, definitely let us know. Head over to consummateathlete.com or hit us up on Instagram. Let us know if you have any questions, uh, of course, about this, about racing, about training, about pretty much anything. Cool. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 